Hey everybody, Neil Brennan here. Uh, hey, do do us do the champs a favor, would you? We never ask you for nothing. In order to chart on iTunes, apparently a lot of it's based on ratings and subscriptions. So if you listen to us, go give us a nice rating, a nice review. You don't have to sign in. You're already signed in if you're on iTunes. Uh, give us a nice rating. Give us a nice review so that we can climb the charts more because tons of people are listening but we don't chart because of that we don't chart as well uh and when we chart then all of your friends will also hear the champs and you'll have stuff to talk about and you you'll feel less alone in the world now you're fucking with the champs you like the song that's great i don't know what it is yet it's Easy Lover by Philip. I tried to Philip K. Dick by Philip K. Dick, the science fiction writer. Philip, Phil Collins, and Philip at. I want to say Atwell, but that's not right. I'm never going to guess it. If Robert doesn't know it, I'm sure you've hung out with the guy. I don't know. No. <laughs> Philip Bailey bizarre. and Phil Collins. Yes, ah, and Phil you Bailey. cannot. Yes, I have hung out with Philip Bailey. Yes, I have. Ha ha! In your face, Robert Townsend. <laughs> We yes. should get Philip Bailey on the show too. If you look, we Robert's are. We're jump. Okay, let's. We're let's, jumping way ahead of ourselves. Let's take five look, steps back, guys. If you can believe five it. steps for the five heartbeats. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you are fucking with the champs. Uh, this now is the you're champ podcast. The My name is Moshe Kasher, one of your lovely co-hosts. Hey, look, it's me, Neil Brennan. That's Neil Brennan, the guy that sounds just like me, but has some slightly more IMDb credits. And <laughs> of course, we have the one and only Doug's drops. <laughs> DJ Doug Pound dropping. That's your voice effect. pitched is down it? a little bit. Doug's drop. As if you need to deepen my voice. That's how you, you would sound cooler if you dip, dipped it a little bit. And Doug's Ooh. drops. There's that. There you go. Me. And, right. so, and today we have a very uh, super special guest. I'm super, I'm happy to have him and, and, and honored too even. This Neil. is, uh, I'm not even, I'm not going to fuck around. Don't, don't fuck, of, wait, don't right fuck around. You're right on the cusp of, <laughs> you're right on the cusp of <laughs> hero. <laughs> Hero, I promise hero. you. No, it's true. Which is more like which feels worse, hero or, or legend? legend? That's uh, a tough one, isn't it? Or the legend of uh, you know what's sad is which I'm one? getting into like legend territory. People are going like he's a comedy legend. Oh, I've had guys and I'm like, God. <laughs> wait, wait. No, no, no. I don't think no, no, no. no people yeah. saying that about you. I, people will bring me up as that. At at comedy clubs, man, it must be tough for you to be getting into legend territory. No, it's you know, just some old dude. Man, shit. the comedy scene must be pretty whack. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's a testament to yeah, all of that's true. Uh, we're not gonna. Uh, all right, credits. Uh, Wait, have we even said your name yet? No, we haven't. Oh, so you got to get the first. intro. We're credits not gonna give the bad intro like the comedy club. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Coming to this, the next comedian, Robert Townsend. Oh, you already did it. Though. You just did it. Clubs and colleges. Uh, no, but ladies and gentlemen, your next uh, our guest today has been at clubs and colleges throughout the country. Mm-hmm. Good friend of mine, very talented. You've seen uh, him on Comic View, that's right. 106 in Park. <laughs> one of my favorites. I learn something new every time I watch this, brother. Um, no, uh, <laughs> I respect his game. I respect his game and a good dude. A real he good is dude. a good dude. Real good dude. Um, he gave me weed, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Pays his child support. <laughs> uh, okay, we're talking about a guy who directed, wrote and directed uh, Hollywood Shuffle. The Hollywood Shuffle. That was yeah. your first big thing. Uh, then you did uh, Robert Townsend's Partners Crime. Right. Then you did uh, Five Heartbeats. Right. Is everybody here then wondering who it is? Sitcom. We've said your name like five I'd times. I'd rather, it'd be funny if we never called yeah. him by name. Uh, mystery guest. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, the yeah, no, and uh, you're and then you did a, you had a sitcom called Parenthood for like a long ass time. Right, right, right. Uh, you did Carmen, a hip hopper, Beyonce's oh, first yeah. uh, thing, which I have to. T- I would like to talk to you about in a little bit, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, the legendary. Right. The, Rob, wait, the, the legendary, hero. the hero, legendary hero, on the cusp <laughs> of hero, on the, the, on, the hero. on the corner of legend and hero of 106th and Park, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, <laughs> Robert, Robert Townsend, Townsend, ladies and gentlemen, yes. Oh man, thank you guys for having me on yes. the show. <laughs> what song is that? Yeah, what is that is from that, another though? podcast? That's from Joe Rogan's podcast. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's so weird. Um, all right, so uh, so Robert, tell for the uninitiated. Yes. Who? Just walk Who us through your you? career because you've had an excellent career. You've had a long career. Which who who were your peers starting out, and what year was it, and who were they? Let me see. My peers when I first started out: Keenan Ivory, Wayans, Arsenio Hall. Uh, Eddie was in a different class already because of Saturday Night Live. So when then. you but you were on SNL for a year, right? No, I was. I never. I auditioned for SNL. I, you know, a book came out on the history of uh, SNL that said I was supposed to be on the show. And I had no idea that there was a big fight behind the scenes. Huh. That's hilarious. You know, and, uh, uh, but I, I had no idea. I went in an audition and just gave a great audition. And I was like, okay, next, keep moving. Right. And then later on, you know, this book comes out. And I guess uh, Gene, the producer, Gene. Yeah. Domanian, oh, Gene Dum- Dum- Dumanian. Dumanian. Yeah. Dumanian really wanted me for the show. Jermaine Dupree? No. <laughs> J.D. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is going to be a pretty in-depth interview. You can tell. It's going to. This is like. Have you ever been on Charlie Rose? Because it's yes. the closest thing. <laughs> no. To Charlie Rose that you can get with other show sound effects. So we were. The, that was. You but know, you started doing stand-up in Chicago I or LA. In uh, in Chicago when I was. I started. Uh, I was like at Second City when I was like 16. Were you really? Yeah, I was oh, wow. on stage. How was, did you even know about Second City? I didn't. Even, I never heard about Second City really till like. I was in my 20s, which is odd. Well, in Chicago, it, it's a pretty big deal, you know. I right. Mean, and so, you know, like when I was uh, when I was a kid, uh, I really started when I was like 15. I started doing theater. But I started when I was really little. When I was a little kid, my nickname was TV Guide because I it. could literally do all the shows I saw on television. And so that's really where it started. It was, which isn't that big a deal because there were like four shows on television <laughs> at that point. <laughs> this is, now we're talking about 1948. <laughs> oh, man. Very brutal. Oh, thank Very you. Brutal. <laughs> Please. I Back then, Rodville, Jack Benny says to me. Is. So yeah, how did you exactly. make the switch from uh, from acting and improv into stand-up? Was it from Second City? Did they? Uh, well, Second City was a lot of improv, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I always loved improv. And so then. And was, was it classes? Like, did the, was there like a training center? There was you a move class. Up, you move like, up? Joe Forsberg was my teacher, and she was like, uh, she had worked with John Belushi, all those guys, and Dale Close was oh, like yeah. a big guy. And so, you know, I was like, you know, young, up and coming. But you must have been right behind Belushi and them, right? Because they were there 72, 73. Yeah, but see, I was uh, I was a kid. I was in the the, the classes. They were. Oh, got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, that's cool. Because you always hear the people that were on the main stage, like when. Tina Fey started like Steve Carell was on the main stage and was like, "Oh my god, I can't." That's the guy. I can only imagine, and I can't even imagine what young comedians must think when they see me on stage. It's the same thing, I imagine. I would like, think. Oh, look at this guy. He's a near. He. This guy is a decade away from being a legend. I think is what the young uh, uh, kids uh, think, if not more, uh, if not more, <laughs> if not. 
possibly never. Yeah. This guy might never be elected. Yeah, this that's, guy, that's how good this guy is. Uh, now, okay, so you're in Chicago. You're doing improv. Right. Uh, were you an ambitious guy? I just had fun on stage. I could do always could do characters and stuff, and I was just having fun. And so, so you, you didn't have your eyes on the prize from the very beginning, because that's the impression I get from you from the outside is like Robert Townsend's the guy that always knew he wanted to. No, you know, you know what it was was that I knew I had talent. You know, I mean, I knew like when we do the improvs, I could do you know a bunch of characters really right. fast, and I could think on my feet really right. fast and come up with jokes. So I wasn't really. Uh, like, oh, I'm going to go to Hollywood. I was just like, I'm having a good time. And then I started doing uh, Punchinello's was the first club. And I did a whole act of doing impressions and turning around in a circle. And I could do all these voices. And that's how I started. Is Punchinello's where Tom Dreesen would work? Yes. Do you remember the first Crazy. joke you told? Or the first impression you did on stage? Uh, and can you do it for us? Uh, let me see. We'll give you time, Robert. Uh, no, I can do it. I, I mean, no. I think one of the first ones was... Uh, Walter Brennan, because I used to do this routine Thank about. That's her father. Thank she, 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 no break. But I wanted, what I wanted, Walter Brennan. I did a Walter Brennan on the west side of Chicago, uh, getting the guys that took my lunch money, and it's like you know, I, what are you pimps, players? I break us out of town. My sundown. All you black asses out of here. And that was like one of my first routines. You know what's hilarious? I like when black guys do impressions of white people. I like it. Meaning my favorite Chappelle impression is, uh, which no one ever heard. Was he did a perfect Robert McNamara, former uh, uh, Secretary of, of State? Which the guy oh. was spooky. Is yeah, was Duncan Trussell? Uh, so the, weird. No, he did a spot on Robert McNamara from that movie uh, Fog of War. Oh, Have you ever weird. seen that movie? Yeah. Documentary. No, it's no. an incredible movie. It's a no. guy who was the Defense Secretary under Kennedy Nixon. Bombs like just bomb the fuck out of Vietnam, and Chappelle could do his. Chappelle voice. could do it perfectly, and had all of his monologues memorized from the movie. He just watched it over and over and over, and he could wow. do it perfectly. It's stuff. funny though that you're mentioning Neil, uh, black comics doing white um, voices because something I, d- we all I think dislike is white comics doing black voice, which leads me to thinking of last time I was watching the Hollywood Shuffle. I was watching it again to refresh my memory to think about questions to ask you. I realized like Robin Williams's black guy voice. Has is, is the caricature of the caricature that you're having to audition for was then and still is this jive turkey yeah over the that jive like hey but, baby but hey, jive, I, come say, on say, mama say, say, say back it up with a slip it slap it in no 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 it's, it's like when I used to audition for commercials they would always want that voice like say baby get this Budweiser and slide on down there mama and I go like why we gotta talk like that that's what you know it's like the, right you know so that's what they always wanted and that's but, what you know, that's what Hollywood Shuffle is about for those of you that haven't seen it you should see it it's hilarious uh, um, it, it's about a young actor in L.A. Mm-hmm. going out uh, with in, an actor with integrity going out and he's got all these acting chops and going out to these audition rooms. and They're like, blacker, jiver, more. And then him having to come to terms with whether or not he's going to pick success or integrity. How long did you live in L.A. before you sort of thought about doing a movie like that? Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's funny because after I did, I did a film called A Soldier Story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Denzel Washington, Howard Rollins, all these actors. And then after 
the movie was over with, my agents, you know, said they only do one black movie a year and you just did it. And then and then it was going back to being the black guy in the movie, like right. this audition for the black guy. Right. And so after that, that's when Keenan and I started to talk and I was having all these bad auditions. You knew him from clubs. You knew Keenan Ivory Wayne from I, clubs. Keenan watched my back, you know, when we were in New York at the improv in new york yep. keenan was down before me and chris albright was the manager of the yep. improv with silver friedman and yep. Bud friedman yeah and uh i was doing tv commercials and making money doing tv commercials and keenan had gotten to be a regular at the improv and right then he then they had the uh the laugh off or whatever it was the big thing and jerry seinfeld was in it george wallace was in it and i wasn't a regular in the clubs but i auditioned and i got in it and everybody goes who is this guy you know right and, I, and the first thing i did was my shakespeare routine and uh i became i got into the semifinals, but i only had five minutes of material huh. so that's how i got into what it was, was it a tv contest no 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 it was a stand-up uh, the biggest stand-up comedian in all of the city, uh-huh. in, in all of Got New it. York. So you were competing against Seinfeld and Keenan and all these cats with five minutes of material. With five minutes of material. That and was I would that. Just stretch it out, and it was a nervous because because the first routine I ever did was this this Shakespeare thing. You know, like PBS is proud to present because at the time I was an actor in New York, and so Joe Papp at the Public yep. Theater said he wanted to give an opportunity to you know minorities to do Shakespeare. So he put together black and hispanic actors to do shakespeare but some of them were really well trained and then some of them weren't so when i saw the play it was like me thinks not my lord hither hence that's where he is for my lord i pray not thusly for him either you know and so i looked at it and i said oh my god this is funny and my first routine you know i go from the people that brought you i claudius hamlet sanford and son Julius Caesar is done by the all black and Hispanic, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's how it started. That's great, right? And, and that, that was the whole bit. That and was you the would whole do the bit, bit. And, and, I, and, and the bit was like you know, depending on how I could extend the depending bit, depending on how kind of laughs you were getting. You got it laughs. I would milk the fuck out <laughs> of that yeah, shit yeah. at the end and of that so, baby. Look, like, so, uh, look at this so, motherfucker uh, with a tight ass shirt. Hear the hints and what else is going on? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so I made it to the next round, and then what happened was after I made it to the next round. The improv said, who is this guy? And then that's when I started getting spots. But Keenan was like, hey, I'm going to walk you through how to get into the club. So you got – how long were you in New York for? I lived in New York for like almost eight years. From, you know, the years? I got there – like seven. I got there in 77. I got the seven – It was a really beautiful city then, right? (laughs) <laughs> you know, you know the funny thing. The, the funny story I can tell you is that uh, Robert Klein was doing an HBO special, and we were all young comics. And he was coming. He was doing it uh, on Ninth Avenue and Forty Fourth for the Improv. Yeah, was, uh, yeah, I used to. Get and two transvestites got into a fight while he's doing his stand up. You know, like while he's doing his routine, and so he starts commenting. It's beautiful New York City, and these transvestites about to kill each other. But come to City Improv, and he kept rolling, and we were just dying. But it was like seedy, really rough area. I was I used to hang out there in the eighties because my brother was a comic, is a comic, and worked the door at the Improv. Him and okay. David Tell were like the doormen, so I used to hang out there all the time. And in eighty seven, it was disgusting. Yeah, 87, 88, 89, It was like for me in the eighties. Uh, I was a kid, and I was just have, I was youthful and exuberant, so I didn't I didn't do that. I was young because I'm younger, a lot younger than you guys. Is that okay to say? Is that a, um, what do you think? I'm interested. This is, I'm just a, uh, uh, no. I know this is your. This is going to be the most informative because you're the only person who's done shit. 
<laughs> other than, uh, other than, well, like, well, Robert, Blake, have you oh, ever won the, a dunk contest? Yeah, have you won a dunk contest? No, no. no. I mean, so, oh, okay. Well, so, that's that's something. So I mean, Griffin, Griffin, he gets right. on that. I mean, over yeah. car, yeah, I over a car. tricycle. Yeah, you. <laughs> I did win so a dunk is, contest. It was a very small dunk contest. Moshe, there are so two legends true. in here. Let them talk. Jesus, legend on legend. You legend on legend. But you stop this legend. All black guys can dunk. Correct. That's true. That is true. I want to clarify that on the show. Good. White men can't jump. Yeah, is that that's also true? Just that like the shot. movie. Like yeah, cool. shot right. Uh, I assume you've known Wesley Snipes since since, uh, since he was paying taxes. All right, all right. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you you're in New York. You're a comic. You're making a living because you can do make a great living doing commercials. Right, right. Uh, so then you and you're doing spots every night. I was doing. I would do three spots every night. I'd go from. Uh, the comedy, uh, what was it? Oh, what did I, okay. You got the improv. Then there was a guy named Jerry Stanley that had gigs in New Jersey for fifty-five dollars, mm-hmm. and you go to New Jersey, then you come in what back. Year? I'd love to get his number, by the way. In what this year? Is, <laughs> this is uh, we're talking seventy, seventy-eight, seventy-nine. So fifty-five dollars was a lot. Well, that was good yeah. Money. We were yeah. we were making. I mean, that's plus the equivalent of sixty-five dollars today. <laughs> Given the, no, the that's a lot of money. inflation, fifty-five yeah. dollars. That's that what was lot. your rent? Uh, my rent was one hundred and twenty-five dollars. Oof, that hurts. In My Manhattan, rent was in Manhattan. I, lived on, live? I lived on eighty-first uh, <laughs> in Amsterdam. Eighty-first in Amsterdam on the west side for one hundred twenty-five dollars. One hundred twenty-five dollars. And studio a apartment. decent. Like was it? Was it? It was. You know. You know. The, the thing spooky. was that it was spooky. <laughs> it was spooky. <laughs> No, it was roaches and people peed in the hallway, but I cleaned up. You know, I had my space, you know, because I, I was like. Wait, you were the janitor? Is that what you're saying? No, you were the custodian no, of the. All right, well, that explains the low rent. Of course, they give you rent. They give you I break lived on in the a rent. closet, a broom closet. A closet. Yeah, and I would wear a jumpsuit. They asked you to wear a jumpsuit. And I would push around. A, a, and it was $125 a month. And then what made you want to move out here? Um, okay, what happened was I had auditioned for a Broadway show. And Did you had you done any Broadway? I had I'd done theater. I'd done off Broadway, a lot right. of theater. And so I had auditioned for this one Broadway show, and they really wanted me for the lead. And then they went for Jimmy Walker. In dynamite. The lead. Hey, to be fair, that dude is dynamite. That dude is dynamite. On stage, if, he is for dynamite. the right for a price, <laughs> he will only say. You know that he will only say if you book him. There's a fee, and then if you want him to say dynamite, there's, there's an, an extra, extra fee. fee. No, Whoa. are you serious? Yeah. That's some Fuck, deep, man. That's deep. Do you want to yeah. know the craziest story Jimmy J.J. Walker ever told me? It's a Go. quick one. Do you know him? I worked with him once. I featured for him Great. at the Funny Farm once. Was it time. one of his one of Dynamite gig or non-Dynamite? He did not say Dynamite. <laughs> I don't think it paid the right price point for Dynamite. Mm-hmm. And he was totally nice. Uh, I was supposed to work with somebody much dirtier. And so I heard he likes his the people to work clean in front of him. But I'm not that dude. But he was nice about that, and I expected him not to be. Whatever. He told me this great story, which is that when he was the big king of comedy in Hollywood, he saw Steve Martin uh, open for some singer and just eat shit. I mean, go down in flames. And he went up to him. This is when he was writing for the Smothers Brothers. And Jimmy Walker went up to Steve Martin and was like, dude, you should. this isn't for you, man. Get out the game, dog. <laughs> Like, you're not a stand-up. You got this writing gig. Take the gig. You're a talented dude, but you're not a stand-up. You're not good at this. And Steve Martin was like, yeah, you're right. I think you're right, man. I think you're right. And he's like, I just got one gig to do in New York, and then I'm I'm out. Thank you. And he went to uh, New York and did Saturday Night Live and became the biggest stand-up comedian. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's hilarious. What if Jimmy Walker was a manager? (laughs) He's like, no. Well, that's what's great is Jimmy Walker had the greatest writers ever writing. He had Letterman writing for him. He had Leonard. Letterman got Leno a job 
writing for Jimmy. Are you serious? Yeah. Interesting. And I then, never knew the history. And behind. he kept going, you're just a writer. <laughs> it's never going to work. <laughs> just keep just keep feeding me jokes. That's how he would get people to – he was kind of pimpy oh, in that way. He would he would break you down. He was nice and, a nice guy. So, you, no, so Jimmy Walker like got nice the guy. role. Yeah, Jimmy Walker got the role. And so then basically what happened was they said, well, you know, if you really want to get on stage in New York, you're going to have to go to L.A. and get on a sitcom or get a show if you really want to do Broadway. And I was like, because my agent was like, they're always going to take, you know, people from television or movies. And so I said, oh, man. And then Keenan had already left right. for L.A. And so then Keenan was like, Rob, you got to get out of here, man. You know, you know, we could do this. We could we can handle this out here. And so I'm picturing both of you on pay phones. Because this is the late seventies, early eighties. You're on payphone. You're both wearing like you crazy, both, crazy haircuts. You both talk exactly how Robin Williams, Say it, baby. Black people like, talk. Man, you better come to LA <laughs> with your flip flops, Jimmy Jop. Jive turkey, get your butt out here, man. That's Thank you. And the be the beast oh, boys. Yeah. Uh, all right. So them, right? you get out here mm-hmm. and you. So you're like, fuck it, I'll come out. I'll, I'll well, out. well, at that point, you know, I had you know lost a, a couple of shows to you know like people that had been on television. Right. I really wanted to do theater, and so then you know when Keenan says That's come hilarious. to L.A., I was like, okay, let me come to L.A. so I can get back to New York. You know, so I got to do some shows. You know, because everything was in L.A., and so that's when I left. Um, and did you, and then so you moved out here where you met with immediate success, like everyone that moves out to L.A., Robert? <laughs> no. You what? What? I came out here and it was like I had an agent that said, uh, you know, he goes, you're going to work. You, you know, he says, you're just what I'm looking for, a wiry nigger. That's what I no, want. He, and he, no. said, and he said that. And I was like. He didn't say that. He before. did. And he was like, you know, and the receptionist was like. You know, you said, know what you know, I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. And, and she, the receptionist was like, yeah, you're going to work a lot. You're going to work a lot. And I was like, this is some Twilight Zone shit. And so I told Keenan, that's, that's, it started to be the stuff for Hollywood Shuffle. Right. Because I started writing it down because the guy was like really, you know, like he was – the thing was he wasn't trying to be offensive, but he was like, this is what they're playing. You know, these are the roles like Huggy Bear and – Oh, he you know, was like, – you're saying he was saying the role will call for what? Wiry nigger. Right. And so <laughs> in the States direction, that was pretty common. <laughs> that, was, that was it. So I was States. like Jesus I was Christ. like, oh my god, you know, so that's when I that's when I started to make notes on what would be Hollywood. Shuffle. I wish you had done a joke where that guy kept showing up in the movie. Like at the end of scenes, he'd be like, What uh, I heard there were some wire niggers here. Where'd they go? <laughs> I, all, this, all this uh, reminds me of a scene. Did you did you you um in the Superman movies, there's this great scene where Superman is going after Lois Lane who's in trouble and he's like looking for a place to change his outfit. And it, it, my friend Jacob Siroff pointed me to this particular scene. He ju- he runs into the, into the uh, into the pay the payphone booth sorry. Uh, into the phone booth and comes out in his outfit and this like pimp with two girls on either arm. He goes, "Woo, Jack, that is a bad outfit." Oh, Woo! absolutely. I've heard that and I'm sure you read for that. Say, yeah, I probably did. did. You? Yeah, I probably did. Say, Jim, that, that is, is a bad outfit. outfit. Yeah, Woo! no, I remember that line read perfectly. I remember <laughs> going. Having said that, Eddie's black guy, Eddie Murphy's black dude, uh-huh. is that voice also? It's that say, say, Mama Jive. Well, he knows how to do. He knows. He, he, yeah, he knows how to play that. You know, he gets yeah. that character. Like, you know, say, man, what you doing, man? Yeah. Say, brother, what you trying to do in here? Yeah. Uh, no, but yeah, he'll do it sometimes. All right, so you come out here. You're you go up for a lot of 
it's so hard not to just say wire nigger every fifth <laughs> sentence now. I'm never gonna forget that that those two words. I can't. What I can't believe is I, I like the image of him saying that in front of you, like as if it as was if he's fine. He, like, he was yes. compliment. He, you know that the thing about it was. I don't know who his other clients were. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> you know, I'm like, gonna, let me guess. Can I guess? They Sydney Portia. <laughs> the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther yeah, King. Exactly. Uh, but I just remember that he thought it was a compliment. And I was like, to Keenan, I was like, man, this is some crazy stuff. That's what, what became Keenan Hollywood. Say? Say. He like, that's, just, that's the game? He, he, go, he goes, there's some people out here that will, you know, he says, that's not the right agent for you. Because Keenan was like, you know, like, yeah, there's some people that are going to talk to you like that if you choose to accept the role. So that's became the basis of Hollywood Shuffle. Yeah. Interesting, and I the thing about Hollywood Shuffle to me that's interesting is that it's it's a lot of different things at once. It's edgy and it's also very sweet at the same time. Like the the uh, it's it it's from an era of movies that is very uh, innocent, but the message is very it's a it's a searing searing satire on uh, and social commentary. Before you answer this question, I will tell you two things that I've been told about Hollywood Shuffle that I would like you to either confirm or uh, uh, disabuse. Okay, all right. Why didn't you say deny in that sentence? Because uh, he's not going to deny it. He'll disabuse it. Okay, yeah. That's, that's typical Robert Townsend. Is d- disabuse. He's a disabusing yeah, guy. I am he's a disabuser. It's not disabusing. That's all it is. He's disabusive. Yeah, um, yeah brother, we disabuse all the time. You know what I'm saying? Hey, baby, Wait, say yeah, baby. Which abuser? Disabuser or the other abuser? <laughs> Garden. No, but go on, go on, go on. You guys are silly. Uh, all right, so here's this is here's, almost a serious interview. Here, I know. Every time it gets serious, serious we've ever it, done. Yeah. All right, so the minute. Okay, so Keenan told me that uh, that he had written a bunch of sketches, and that you were like, you can't just do a movie with sketches. There's got to be like a frame around it that's got an actual narrative. Uh. Okay, and he's like, and Keenan said, that is why that movie stands the test of time is because there's a story like what you were saying. There's a sweetness to it, and there's a narrative that Keenan said, and I think about this all the time. People would rather watch a good movie than a funny movie. Hmm. So what he was saying was, you need a story. People would rather watch ET than Coming to America, for instance. Uh, okay. So that's one thing that okay. I would like that put that in your disputes list. <laughs> and the other and then the second thing I heard was that Eddie saw it. You you guys made the movie. Right. Eddie saw the movie and said, This will not get distribution unless someone like me uh validates these guys. So because he was a big star. So he said he hired you for Raw to direct Raw, Eddie Murphy Raw. Right. Uh, and and he feels like because of that it helped Hollywood Shuffle. Well, you know, um, you directed Raw. I directed Raw. Wow. Yeah, I directed Raw. I mean, uh, that that's that whole. Thing. Well, I will get to that. We'll get to that mm-hmm. in a second. Mm-hmm. But um, no, okay. The first thing was that I can't remember story wise because Keenan is a funny comedian, funny right. comic writer, but he understands structure too. Right. And I just think that. As we were putting it together, we just had a good flow. We just right. understood comedy right. jokes. Great. And, Great. Because you know, that's, yeah, that's the thing. People always, with me and Dave, they go, well, he must have been the joke guy and you're the structure. And it's like, no, we can both Ken- do both. Keenan really understands structure and he understands jokes. And I think we we always complimented each other in right. terms of putting it together. Now, in terms of Eddie Murphy, the funny thing was um, Keenan had said, um, one, he says, you know, when we get done with the movie, we want to show it to to Eddie, you know. Right. But 
while we were making the movie, because every time I went into an audition, they said, we want an Eddie Murphy type. Yeah, you guys did the whole... And so then... I was like, we got to make fun of Eddie. Right. And you know, I said, it would be really funny because have them all, everybody look like Eddie Murphy types. Right. And so Keenan was like, man, don't do that, man. You're going to offend Eddie, man. It's like, you know, I said, but Eddie That's makes hilarious. fun of everybody, man. Yeah. Fuck that. You know, and so, so what happened was we shot the scene. You know, I directed it. So I got all the people together. Right. And I shot it. And I said, I think this shit's funny. You know, I said, right. I said, we're not making fun of him. We're talking about how everybody in Hollywood's got to act like Eddie and stuff. So anyway, Keenan sets up the screening with Eddie. We have the screening. At he didn't Photo know that, that scene was in the movie. No, he <laughs> oh, has the key. He has. The, the, we have the screening at Photo Kim in in Burbank, and so Eddie comes in and he's got you know all his boys with him right. and everything. Uncle Ray and you know the, the yeah. whole thing. And Turtle. so everybody's <laughs> laughing at the movie. Goody and He's goo-goo. having a really good time, and you know really just right. laughing, laughing, laughing. And so then all of a sudden, while the movie's going on, then we go, "What we're looking for is an Eddie Murphy type." And then you hear one of the bodyguards go. Eddie, they said your name, man. <laughs> Eddie, they said your name. And then the whole room goes quiet. And then Keenan's like, oh, shit. And then the whole room. And so then all of a sudden it's like, be more morphonic, more morphonic, more Murphy-esque. And then, then all of a sudden you see me go, <laughs> and then all the other guys dress like Eddie Murphy. Then Eddie goes, oh, oh, Rob, hell no, man. Y'all ain't do this shit. Oh. And then the whole room started right. laughing. He liked it. He liked it. So That's then cool. after the movie, you know, uh, everybody leaves the screening room, and Eddie's sitting in there by himself. And so then I go polishing back, a we, gun, no. <laughs> weeping, polishing <laughs> a gun. No, then I go, I go back in there, and I say, "Hey, man," I say, "Eddie," you know, I said, you know. I said, I was just making fun. I said, you know, Keenan, you know, was like, don't put the thing in there. And I said, I just thought it was fun because, you know, that's what we're going through right now. Everybody wants us to be like you. Right. And Eddie says, no, man, I, I, I'm not offended by that. I'm not offended <laughs> by that. Say, uh, man, you fucked up now. <laughs> say, baby. That's your ass. He said, so he says, he says, he says, he says, he says I, I'm not, you know, he says, man, I really, I'm impressed that you guys put this movie together and the shit is really funny. Yeah. And then that's when he said, I'm going to do this concert movie. Do you want to direct it? So he offered it to me right in the room. And I was right. like, fuck yeah i want to do it and then the other thing that i want to say and this is in the documentary but we might as well you know the thing about you know like when uh i was directing raw it really was raw eddie said did whatever joke he wanted to do and the hardest thing about the film was the first cut of the film came rated triple x and so then the only thing I literally. had to do, literally triple, triple X, wow. triple X because all the language. It was like, so wow. then we had to have this meeting with all the lawyers from Paramount and the ratings board to get the film down to an R because they said we can't release <laughs> an, R, an, an X-rated film. So then we had to count every word, every curse word. And then we had to have this meeting at Eddie's house with all the lawyers, 12 lawyers from Paramount, six lawyers from, you know, the other thing. And they were sitting there and they're counting every word. And it's like, you know, like 32 motherfuckers, you know, 28 bitches, 28 cocksuckers you know dick grabs and so then you have the attorneys negotiating and so then it's like so we're gonna take that motherfucker from you and so we'll give you the bitch for the cocksucker and then eddie goes no 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 i need that bitch i'll give you the other motherfucker for the dick grab but i need the cocksucker you're taking the cocksucker are we taking a cocksucker okay we got you know and so by the time it was over with we came out with an r have you guys seen the uh the original cut of norbit Four axes. <laughs> <laughs> four, four, the first four axes. No, yeah. um, that's so funny. I've been in in negotiations with uh, lawyers for Comedy Central, saying it's just funny you say that because I, I thought what a ridiculous life I have because I, I they were trying to get me not to do a joke where I do the finger fucking 
right. emotion. Right. And they're like, can you just have the penis not enter, the, the finger penis not enter the vagina? Can you do the finger? Give us a beat after the penis in the vagina to edit it. It's just like... Fucking come on! Yeah, yeah I've had okay? so many of I've had so many of those conversations with Comedy Center. I can't even remember. Like it's like right. I can't even. Re- there were so and they were always so absurd. And you get the and racial. But see, you know, but you know, the thing is that I thought what you guys did was so fucking brilliant. I had no idea that y'all even had struggle. You know what I mean? Because there you, wasn't a lot of struggle. It was just like, uh, can we say pussy? There was one time we said pussy, and me and Dave were like, ah, maybe we bleep it. It would just felt, felt like, it yeah, like even right. we were like, ah, it's a uh, little rough. I think you can say it if it's not in in it was terms of sex. I know a cat like Tom said Jones it. could say like, you could say pussy cat. You yes. could say you're a pussy. You're acting uh, like a pussy, but you can't say. I, I was have, eating this girl's pussy <laughs> out. Yeah, Got well, you can't say this girl. Yeah, you can't say that. You can't say I was eating a cat's pussy. I was eating this cat's pussy out. Actually, who says eat my cat's pussy out? Oh, it's Joe Mandy. has <laughs> a joke about that. Actually. Uh, okay, so and then did you? So Hollywood Shuffle. So so did you have distribution at that point? Uh, and you funded the thing on your credit cards, correct? On credit cards, correct? credit cards. Yeah, Personal and that's card. okay. Uh, we got to go back. How did you? So you're just writing, like you're just writing scenes. You and Keenan. Did you sit down and go, "We're writing a movie"? Uh, the first. The first title was Four Easy Pieces because we had just shot four different segments like right. Death of a Breakdancer, Sneaking in the Movies. Right. We had done those, you know, those uh, those different uh, segments and Black Acting School because right. that was that was a part of my stand up was Black Acting School. Right. I used to do it in my act. Uh-huh. So that's a great. Then after we shot all the stuff, you know, I ran out of money, and that's when it comes. You know, I had sixty thousand dollars in the bank at the time, and I just remember that. Um, we shot from those Jersey gigs. Okay. <laughs> no, from Soldier Story, Streets of Fire, and American Flyers. Fantastic. And so, and commercials. And so, I had saved that, and then um, that's when you know I was like, you know, I had finished Soldier Story. And I said, let's make a movie. And so I told Kenny, I says, I don't know anything about directing, but let's let's just do it. And I had directed stuff in college theater, but I had never done film right. stuff. So that's kind of how it started. And then. When uh, I ran out of money, I went on the road and I was doing stand-up comedy for like about three weeks. I was going to different places. And when I came back, all I had, you know, when I went through my mail, all I had was applications for credit cards. And that's when I go like, I can finish this film with credit cards. And that's how it kind of started. So how much did you, how much of the, did you spend the original 60? I spent the original 60. I was done. Yeah. Oh, God. So you spent it on the, on those four. On on those four things. And we loved what came out. We were like, we were sitting in the uh, screening room at Photocam looking at the dailies of Death of a Break Dancer and all that stuff. And how much time, how much running time were those four pieces that you had? Uh, Probably, probably about 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Of like usable, of bits that worked. Yeah, bits that worked. You know, I mean, because, you know, I mean, as comedians, we, you know, we kind of understood the rhythm of jokes right. and, you know, like, don't be too silly, you know, like, you know, yeah. you know straight man, funny man. So right. the stuff was working. Do you find directing easier than writing? Because no one will ever admit it. But in my experience and a lot of my friends experience that were writers and then became directors are like the hard parts writing. The hard part is writing because you, because once you get to the set, either you're going to try to figure out some shit that if it's not funny, if you got a, a comedian, I, my term is funny bones. If you got a comedian that got right. funny bones, then you're 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 in heaven. Mine's like, funny ligaments, but go ahead. You know. 
And that's like, really that a, is the difference between black people and white people, right there. It's bones <laughs> and ligaments. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, <laughs> if you've learned nothing from today. So, so, uh, um, so I think the writing. Yeah, um, no, it's way hard. That's the thing is, everyone I know that's written for the Office that got to direct episodes, and they'd be like, "Dude, I'm scared." I'm like, "It's so much easier than writing. It's so much easier." Well, it's easy when you have a good script. Yeah, well, that's the thing. If you're in charge of the script, and it's it, the hard part is, yeah, it's getting a good script, and then once you get going, yeah, well, I mean, you've got well, I mean, all these people helping you. When what, you what, made Hollywood Shuffle, you you're saying you made the, these four pieces first. The four, you know, we, had, but we had, did you you didn't have like an, an entire script of a film. You just no, well, no. Hollywood Shuffle is a a narrative. Uh, I, I, re- I remember with seeing it in the 80s, and I, I remember like really loving it, but I just haven't seen it in so long that yeah, and it's, I just it's, haven't seen well, it Well, I while. guess you didn't love it that much then. No, I did. I did. I remember, wa- I remember really liking <laughs> it. to not watch it again. I know I've watched <laughs> it exactly. Four, five, watched I don't it. watch films over and over. You've seen Amazon Women on the Moon Once. several times. Once. Which I think well, is Well, but you saw Amazon Women on the Moon too. <laughs> which I think <laughs> was biting what you were trying to do. You know, uh, quit, quit belittling me and let me ask a question for once. Oof. Oof. Jeez. Told you, Robert, we fight. We, we, we <laughs> fight. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> we should go on Jerry. Oh, I that uh, okay, so. Well, I have a question. Yeah. You're a com- Speaking of having funny bones, mm-hmm. you clearly have funny bones You because you've done, you've sort of done it all in that, in, in within the sort of shell of comedy you've directed, you've written, you've done stand-up and you've acted. What's your favorite thing to do? And I want to put a part B question. Well, I'll just let, let's start there. What do, what's your favorite thing to do? You know, I, I love it all. I got to tell you the truth because, you know, it's, it's like, um, you know, I love writing. I love direct. I mean, I love it all. I love the creative process because, you know, um, you know, when you can make people laugh is a gift, you know, and if you can get the joke to work, you know, right. it's like there's, there's nothing like you, you think of some shit and you're like, this shit is funny. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you see it in front of eyes go, like, ah, you go like, yeah. oh, you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah, it's hard to explain. I was talking to somebody about that last night. Getting a joke to work, having a thought and saying it and people laughing at it. Mm hmm. It's like hard. Is it validation? There's something that feels like you get like locked in. Like it's like this thing like. The, the gears line up. There's something to that, but you know, I was just listening to this interview with Patrick Stewart uh, while I was running yesterday. Because Who's that? Uh, uh, John Luke Picard. The English actor that does. Yeah, yeah. no, I haven't, I haven't heard him. I haven't, he hasn't done. So yet. he's, you know, he's, he's John Luke Picard and he's Professor X in the movie. He's a big movie star, mm-hmm. big TV star, and he mm-hmm. said his whole thing was just get, trying to get back on stage to the theater. So he's not a guy that cares about laughs. He's a guy that cares about. So there's something that he's doing. He needed to be Wait, doing live performance. Kept the guy from Star Trek doesn't care about laughs. <laughs> uh, what I'm saying is that that's just hilarious. What, what he's obsessed with is beat live performance, and so there's something about live performance that yes, is but as a writer, essential. What I'm talking about is the having an idea and then going like, I think that'll work, and then doing right. it because it's not you're not getting love. You're getting like confirmation, right. right? Of your well, you if if you can connect, if you can, you know, it's like like I was writing some stuff, you know, earlier, and you know, it made me laugh, and I start going like, oh, this shit's gonna work, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, you, like you just totally. know, and you go, like, yeah. oh, when I put this in front of an audience, it's yeah. gonna be, and then sometimes it doesn't work because it's like it needs to be tweaked or one little thing, but there's there's something beautiful to watching. You know, uh, a bit work, really yeah, work, no doubt. Yeah. There's also sometimes you write a joke and you're like, I don't really think it's that funny, and it works every time, which is also a bizarre thing. But like, now, do you stop doing that joke? That's the thing. No, that it's, it's like, do I want to 
do I, I like? Do I want to say this? I, I don't quite mean what you. Th- I think you think I mean. I don't mean I think this joke sucks or is hacky. I mean I don't see what makes people right, react yeah. with laughter yes. to this I know, joke. Well, like, it, I like but, the, see, but, but see, that is strange though because if you don't know why, like for the most part. When you know you get your laughs, you know why. Right. You know, I, I'm going to do this one little gesture and go like, well, anyway, you know, or whatever, right. you know, and you know that that's the setup to the punch. Right. And you're going to milk it, you know. But then when you just get those laughs where they come from someplace and you don't know why they're laughing, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. But I'm just I was trying to think of what the what that thing is when you because the I, do you you stop doing stand up because you found just all this other stuff more. More well, that's what, that was my B question, which is we were talking about Eddie Murphy and I'm and Steve Martin, in fact, and then also Jimmy J.J. Walker, who's currently r- grinding out on the road right now, like doing clubs. What is it about certain people that reach a certain level of success or old schoolness or whatever do you think that takes them out of the stand up game? Because from my perspective as a stand up, I feel like and maybe this is naive because I'm, you know, I, I haven't reached those peaks of success if i get big and famous i'll never want to stop doing live stand-up but then there's all these you know guys that do eddie murphy you uh, steve martin uh, there's a million people that stop. well you what, know what i mean i mean it? i mean i guess the thing for me was that i was never a pure stand-up you right know, i was always you know like i love characters and so i would go into a character and i think i'm more suited for a one-man show mm-hmm. than you know because you know certain guys do jokes and i would go into characters and i like you know you know like committing to a character right like what richard pryor would do with Mudbone and right. stuff like that like i used to end my show with my old man and he would do all the different you know like a vaudeville guy and so the stuff that i write is more it's more tailored for a one-man show and i think that's that's where i will return to the stage you know Got but it. not as you heard it here first that's a champs exclusive yeah Robert townsend is writing now you're fucking with the champs you're fucking with the champs he's <laughs> when you get one, man one show. when you get exclusive one man show breaking news then you know you've come to the right place. What do you think, Doug? If you, when you get rich and famous, do you think that you'll still do DJ Doug Pound live? Um, I don't do it a lot as is. You know, I do it because <laughs> it's. I I only want to do it because it's fun. You know. Uh huh. And after a while, I get sick of the jokes and the, the samples that I have, and then I kind of like hit a dry spell as far as like right being inspired to write new stuff. And I don't sit there and like try to like write new stuff. I just I just let it come to me when it comes to me. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. That, right. That's like the great. It's not dilemma. my main thing. Totally. Uh, oh, it's not being DJ Doug Pound is not your main comedic thing. It'd I mean, it's comedy. I, ed- it's what? not my main thing. I mean, like my make my living as an editor. Right. Right. Which, you know, I get sick of that too, and like. I just like but, to but do, do different you, stuff. I don't like to only do one thing. You know. But do you love stand up? Yeah, I like it better than anything. That's really? what's you, odd is I'm going been doing the other direction. Less long. I've less been doing long. stand-up like four years, and but I've been writing movies for 14 and, and doing wow. TV. Sh- and, but I see it as the – and I always look at guys that are like, oh, i got to stop doing stand-up. And I go, what is it? Like to me, doing theaters, it's like the cool – I'd rather do a theater – stand-up in a theater than a, have a movie out. That's interesting. I really would. Wow. Like, I would rather – it just means more to me. Only in that thing of – what I find hard, and I've been talking to a friend of mine who's doing a show right now, is how hard it is to wrangle everyone on the crew to do what you want. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing that I like about stand-up is like, I just write a little joke. And I, really, I know <laughs> I can walk myself to the stage. Yeah, this, I don't if have you're doing stand-up, you're the whole crew. You're the, yeah. you're, the, you're doing everything, and you right. get the immediate uh, – yeah. 
And that's response. almost like and the I'll, thing. I'll, I'll, there's something be, that you can't get. You can't get that elsewhere. You know, like right. It's also cool to be. I always sometimes I think when I'm driving to the club and I look in my back seat and there's no equipment and no bandmates. I'm like, we are the luckiest live performers in the world. I just, Absolutely. Mm. I just Shit. When I'm driving to a club and there's no co- equipment, I'm yeah. like, screwed. You're fucked. Yeah. You're <laughs> like, like, pound is not in the mix. Um. The yeah. No. But that's the I I find it hard to like. I did a sketch in in uh shooting a sketch in July with for the Espies with my buddy Seth and and we were he was like he he's so Seth who Seth Myers oh, I know famous no people no, sorry it's not a big deal <laughs> sorry I, again it's not a big deal <laughs> could have been because I've talked about him on the show uh, so we're shooting a sketch for uh, ESPN and they and he's so used to doing SNL that he looked at me at one point and goes why don't any of these people listen to us. And he's like, every everything we say, they gotta ask somebody and get on a walk. And I'm like, that's single camera, <laughs> single mm. camera. It's just more of like, a, can we get a walkie? And someone's got a twenty <laughs> on a thing, and it, and it just it just gets to the point of like, man, a lot can go wrong. Uh, a lot can go wrong with uh, the process. Uh, and do you feel in some ways that you almost have to get lucky in that term? In terms of Quality and you mean uh, as a director? Yeah, quality of the just like you can't uh, you lose a location, just shit that's beyond your control. You're just like God damn. Well, no, see, see, I, the, the thing to me is that uh, uh, as a director, you know, you know as well, you got to have an arsenal. You know, on any given day, it's a high wire act. Something could go mm-hmm. wrong. This could, you know, this is fucked up. That's you why we're tights. Keep going. <laughs> Oh, because of the high wire? The yeah. high wire. Right. Yeah. I wear ballet shoes. Uh, That's why all I, will that. bring, I will bring like a, a semi-automatic weaponry, a grenade, a grenade launcher. Because you do need an, an arsenal in many ways. <laughs> well, this is called taking you out of context with Robert Townsend. <laughs> Not listening uh, to you dropping knowledge. This is, forced, this is forcing jokes with, is with Moshe Kasher, Neil Robert Townsend dropping knowledge, Neil how, and Moshe not listening. How, like, look, when will Robert leave is the name of He's an easy lover. Uh, okay, so what do, you, what do you mean by Arsenal? I mean, like, you just mean you well, got well, a lot I mean, of ideas? Well, see, you know, to me, with real directors, you know that no matter what, you got to get your day's work. You got to yeah. figure it out. And, and I, I kind of like being a troubleshooter. You know, I like figuring this right. shit out. I mean, because you, uh, you're going to lose location. So what are you going to do? You know, right. uh, actor's late, but you still got to get your stuff, you know, because the studio doesn't want to hear, you know, like, um... You know, the okay, catering the, truck was yeah, late. Exactly. <laughs> catering All right, truck was so late. you know the catering guy? All right, he got lost. Uh, yeah, no, you're, yeah. So you, know, you like the sort of the, the... Well, I think, you know, it's, it's like, you know, like my favorite directors are cats that every time you see their movie, they, there's a great performance. They, 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 they deliver. If it's funny, if it's supposed to be a funny movie, the shit is funny. You know what I mean? So yeah. to me, there's a certain adrenaline rush because you're in war. You know what I mean? Yeah. You no, know. I absolutely. I mean, it's such a, it's such a overstatement when you go like, it's like war, but it really is. It really, I, I mean, there's like a base camp and then you <laughs> advance to like the, it's like the, climbing Mount Everest is what you mean. Uh, yeah. Wait, you climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I did. I did. What's harder, directing a movie <laughs> or climbing Mount Kilimanjaro? Uh, you know what? Uh, climbing a mountain. Climbing a mountain. Because I wasn't, you know, I, you know, I just did it. I just wanted to see if I could survive. I took the most dangerous route. How long was the hike to the top of Kilimanjaro? Six days. 
I was the last one to come down the mountain because everybody else was like, they were all experienced climbers and, and stuff. And I didn't know. I just, I are was you, like, was it just, you're walking, right? You're walking, but then there's a certain point that you really have to hang on because you climb to the top of the mountain in at nighttime. It, they wake you up. The guide wakes you up at 12 o'clock at night to go. Now we're going to go the distance and it's straight up. And the reason you got to do it at night, because if you did it in the daytime and you look down, you would get dizzy and kill yourself. Really? Oh, yeah. Shit. Yeah. There's, uh, different, there's different ways up the mountain. There's easy ways, but I took the hardest way because I just wanted to see what I was made out of. You know right. which way I would have taken? Which way? The way where you stay in a hotel at the bottom of the mountain <laughs> and have people buff your fingernails and bring you right. snacks. That's a good way. That's where you'll find out what you're made of. <laughs> that's right. And, and in your case, I am made of cotton <laughs> balls and, and glitter and, yeah, and, small, and soft, soft things. Saltwater taffy. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. So that, that is, it is like a war in that it is, you can't. So that's funny that you like figuring out. I get stressed out and when I have to direct. Who's I get the st- enemy? Um, time, time is a huge time, enemy. Time is the enemy. A lot of times, the 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 production manager in that they've made this schedule that you're like, what do you? Why did you think I could do this? Even though you agree to it, right? <laughs> you agree to the schedule months before, and then you're like, you're you're, and then somebody, you know, somebody will do a great performance in a take, and the boom guy will be like, that was no good for sound. You're like, motherfucker, uh, <laughs> exactly. I'm getting ready to move on. Like, there's just. Exactly. <laughs> is that from your arsenal? Live squibs you get a go murder. off. The sound guy. A guy. You got a murderer cat. That's real. Uh, have you? You know what's funny is have you ever uh, snapped? I snapped at a sound guy one time uh, on Chappelle show, and and he was a black dude named Charles, and he was our regular sound guy, and I snapped at him like Charles. But I gave him one of the my like special names, and he looked at me like. You know I'll fuck you up just on some street shit. <laughs> and I never yelled at him again. That's a really effective way of getting yeah, your boss no, out to yell at you. Yeah, no. He just looked at me like, oh. Oh, me? You don't I, think I'll fuck you up? I'll murder you. Just like on on some on GP, like beyond work. I will just straight up fuck Wait you up. Wait till we rap. Wait till we rap. No, yeah. No, but, but that's. Neil, what you don't know is that often when you're talking on this podcast, you're so focused on the interviewing the guest. I'm giving you that look. Are you? Yeah, it no, I... You don't know I'll fuck you up on GP, <laughs> but you never see it, and as soon as you look, my anger passes. And right, and also I... Because he's been looking at you a couple of times like that. I, I didn't want to say anything, <laughs> yeah. but he was like, you missed Thank it. Thank you. <laughs> I, it would have it fucked up my whole flight. So, All right. oh, so then you... How did you find... How did you find once you... once? So the movie comes out. Mm-hmm. All right, who distributed it? How did you get distributed? Uh, we showed it to different studios, independent studios, and the Samuel Golan company saw the film and loved it. And that's when... And, and they did they... And did they give you your money back, so to speak? Did you get at that point? Did they they gave you like earned the whatever all the they, money they, they you put gave? In? Yeah, they gave an, an advance and they paid. And then they, uh, you know, they put you know because we needed more money to finish the film. Like oh, you a little, did a little oh, additional mixing and or yeah, reshoots that kind of stuff. No reshoots, just mixing, just Got mixing it. and credits and you know that stuff because we had run out of money. And how how was your experience with Paul Mooney? You know, I love Paul. Uh, homie, 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 let no, me say I'm this, serious. homie. Oh, no, oh, no, homie. The white, man, the white man is coming, homie. 
<laughs> what was Paul Mooney's? What's the connection? He played. He was in Hollywood Shuffle. He played a, the president of the NAACP when oh, uh, oh. when they were picketing me for playing the part. You know, he was the president of the uh-huh. NAACP that said, "We've got to stop Bobby Taylor from doing this, <laughs> taking these degrading parts." That's funny. But you were you got, actually got an NAACP award, correct? Yeah. At some point, that's funny. You made fun of them, and then they awarded you. You now, killed was, it. You- and you killed it. You totally murdered it. Um, did the uh, did your original agent present you with the, the award at the end of the season? I knew a great guy and one wiry <laughs> nigger. Here he comes, Mr. Robert Townsend. Hey! Oh my God! Oh my God! No. Uh, Robert, I have two. I have a question or two. Um, do you think that the Hollywood Shuffle? Uh, uh, would have cultural resonance if it, if you released it today? Do you think it is as meaningful today as it was then, or has Hollywood come a long way? Uh, shoot, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think it's come a, a, a certain way because now there's more doctors and lawyers, but, you know, like, for the most part, they never have any power. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like they always have the judge, and then the, <laughs> right. the guy, you know, like, order in my court, order in my court, and then the guy's like, look, Your Honor, we're going to go out of here and do it, we ever, you know, and it's like there's no respect. So, right. um, you know, so it's the best of times and the worst of times because there's not a lot there's not a lot of movies starring people of color, starring and starring mm-hmm. roles and supporting roles, yeah, but not in starring. Right. I got a question. What has a bigger impact on culture? The, the um, Hollywood Shuffle or the Super Bowl Shuffle? <laughs> 85 Bears. <laughs> Hollywood Shuffle. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was Hollywood a softball qu- That's what's called a softball Is question. Is that okay to say? I have a theory about uh, uh, black roles in Hollywood, which is... Black roles in Hollywood will be get will get better when black roles in America get better. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Like that to me is like that when it's people are like, "You can't." I all I play is the rappers, and and that's not that all there are in the world. But it's like there will be there need to be black people in power, saying order in my court in real life <laughs> before <laughs> there's like. Judge Joe Brown. Joe, except, Judge, well, that's Judge and Joe he. Brown. That's why he's got an NAACP. You have the document here. Let me see that document. <laughs> yeah. Let me see that document. Okay, so did and you find? Are you saying that you have the? Uh, <laughs> I keep going. The le- the, 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 the lease to the apartment. Now you live there with him. <laughs> yeah. now, let me see that document. Did your life change when the? Did it? Was it one of those like? I always say that when you succeed in Hollywood, it is like that the sketch that the Mr. White sketch and that Eddie did the the thing where it's like there's a whole different world set of rules for for the for good for the winners. I always call it the winners, the winner circle. Uh, well, you know, I mean, life does change because all of a sudden everybody knows you. You know what right. I mean? And then you go like I went around the world a couple of times at film festivals and and then you get you know. What movies do you want to make? And then the next one I wanted to make was a Five Heartbeats. So, right. But it was just, you know, yeah, your life does change because then everybody knows, you know. I mean, I remember doing the Tonight Show, you know, and I always thought I was going to be on the Tonight Show with, with Johnny Carson as a stand-up. And right. then there I was on the show with this little movie that I had done with a credit card. And, right. And Eddie, you know, you know, Murphy had said, you know, he says, you know, I said, well, what should I watch out for when, I, when I'm on with Johnny? And he said. Please do the voice. He, he goes. <laughs> Who's uh, do all any yeah, voice you want to do? Everybody's voice. <laughs> no, I can't do Eddie's voice. <laughs> but anyway, he goes. He goes. He says, when when you go on the show, he says, just know that during the commercial breaks, Johnny's not going to talk to you because Johnny is still thinking about his jokes and he gets nervous. 
And so we're on the show. Uh, we've got Robert Townsend out here. He made a film on a credit card. Let's take a look at the film right now. Robert, come here. Talk to me. We sat down and we started talking. I did my stand-up, you know, sitting down, like all my jokes. Right. And so then we went to the commercial break, and he's laughing and the whole thing. And so then we go to the commercial break, and uh, after something, I said, hey, man, that was real. That was fun. You know, and he was like. And he was quiet, thinking about his jokes. And I was like, oh, that's what Eddie was saying. Right. He goes, you know, in between, you know, so it, it, it was true. But that was like, you know, probably one of the highlights because I always wanted to be on on a Johnny, on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Yeah, somebody was saying, I think, Joan, somebody was saying that Johnny was actually, it was he was nerve-wracking to be next to him because that, like, pencil stuff, she said it was, next to him, it was more like... It was like annoying and sort of off-putting. He, well, I mean, you you know, I knew he was doing a certain kind of, you know, you know, high wire act trying to keep that because he was doing it all the time. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yes. you come on and go like, this is my five minute segment. Yeah. But he every day. So I didn't know like him memorizing his jokes or putting his gags in for the next person, you know, so he would always. But, you know, I did the show like maybe four times with him. And so it was like kind of really cool. And did the did the movie make uh, how, did it make a ton of money or it made it made it made really good money. I mean, I mean, the film was done for a hundred thousand, and I think by the time it's said done with DVD, we did about ten. Great. Do you, you know think I mean? ten thousand dollars? Ten thousand dollars. That is a to me, that feels like that is a good return for a black movie. That's a pretty small <laughs> loss. A lot of them lose way more than a hundred thousand dollars. So the fact that you guys only lost ninety. Is it still possible? Do you think nowadays for someone to make a film like that on credit cards? Yeah, yeah, I th- it's easier now. What about these debit card fees that they're putting in? <laughs> <laughs> it would have cost you a hundred thousand and five dollars. <laughs> you know what's great about extra- your question is I panic every time you talk, and you always make me laugh. And you guys never even let me. I know. You had to what- be like, you have a question, you want to say it now. <laughs> no, every I'll time let you ask it. Every time I in the middle of it, I'm like, I'm like, what is he saying? And then it's like you, you kill it, um, kill a dog, and the dog. Yo, everybody's talking about what you're doing over there to my Show left. Okay, so you killed it. You totally five heartbeats, it. bigger budget, <laughs> right? Uh, how big was that budget? Five heartbeats was like uh, eight and uh, eight and uh, eight and a half million Great. dollars. And and uh, was that was I, I, was it easy to make? Was it once were they like we'll do anything, and then you give them a script, and they're like accept that anything else? Um, nobody wanted to make the movie, and at the time, uh, I was with. Uh, uh, the management company, and I can't. I'm going. Uh, Brillstein, uh, not Brillstein, but um, Robin Williams. Oh, uh, Mora, Buddy Mora, yeah, and yeah, all of them. Yeah. And they, because people had passed on the script because they didn't know how I was going to make it funny and dramatic, right. and blah blah blah, and the music and stuff. And then they talked with Joe Roth at 20th Century Fox, and Joe read the script and said, "This is really a great script." You know, Robert, go make your movie, and. Uh, Everything was going good, but it was my first big, you know, big yeah. budget film. And so I went over budget and then they were like, look, you know, we ain't going to give you another penny. And so then I had to, again, figure out a were way. Were you in post? No, no, no. We were still shooting. And so I had to cut stuff and trim stuff. Yeah. And then like there was one sequence. Like, But you seen, love that. I love it. So I figured it out. No, no, I did. No, <laughs> no I know. Me. That's what it was like. Yeah. How's that, that, that? Your great love. Your no. first love is getting your budget slashed. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I had to figure it out. So one of the sequences in the movie, when we ran out of money, I got a still photographer, and I said, let's shoot the scene and make it with stills. Oh, that's great. Sarge is teaching us, the, the, the choreographer is teaching us how to do these dance steps, and we were supposed to shoot the scene, and then I just got a camera, and we just what shot it. What is it, it. like 
like it comes onto screen. Each comes step, on the screen kinda. and just steps in. And oh, that's just a cool. whole montage. Great. And you so you never episode, would think, to, as a viewer, too, like, yeah, like, oh, this oh, cat, they, oh this these motherfuckers cut. These like, motherfuckers ran out of money. Exactly. <laughs> what a visionary this director is. Uh, that's a great yeah. idea. That because I would, uh, yeah, no, because people pitch that to me, and I always thought like that's their idea, but it wasn't. It was possibly yours. <laughs> um, now, okay, and then that was a that's a really really respected movie among uh, certainly like. The bl- in terms of like black movies, black director, black cast, that's like in the top ten from what I can People tell. People consider that like like we just had our twentieth anniversary to film, you know, twenty years ago, and BET, you know, honored us at the BET Awards, and then we were on shows. You know, it, people consider uh, that to be like number one classic movie, like well, White Girls. White girls are probably up there. White, white girls, and then and then does that I, count? You probably see them at a lot of film festivals. The white girls, all the white girls, the cast of white girls, the, the young way between that and uh, soul playing. Yes. Uh, yeah. um, though, okay. So, who are you still? I guess you're still friends with 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 all of the your crew. Like, are you Eddie Every, Keenan? Everybody's Arsenio? everybody's you know everybody's still real cool. It's just that everybody's hustling to make their movies. Right. So we're all like in our own zones because everybody's right. trying to, you know. Let me ask you this. All those guys, Keenan, you, Eddie, Arsenio, taking away fame, who was the beast? Who was the comic? Who was the guy like, dude, that don't that guy's the beast on stage? I think Eddie was always the beast. Was always Eddie. Eddie was always, I mean, because he was so fearless and he just, I mean, he was the youngest, you know what I mean? I watched his Tonight Show, his first Tonight Show. Uh huh. I've seen that too. I I, 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 I linked to it on on, uh, Twitter and it got 100 retweets because his entrance is fucking unbelievable. It's like, how does he enter? I can't remember. He entered curtains part and he just walks out. He's wearing the double breasted suit. And Curtin's party just walks out as if Johnny is on his set. <laughs> I've seen just that. with complete wow. poise, takes all the time in the world to get there, and it's like <laughs> that was him. That was yeah. Uh, wow. that, you want to see some it, entrance swag game? Check out Bill Cosby's most recent appearance on Letterman. It's like retarded. Like then you go, you start to realize like, oh, that's a guy that's been doing comedy forever. Like he walks out, he's f- promenading, he like puts his hands in a prayer, a, a prayer hand. He grabs Dave Letterman's face and kisses him on the cheek, and then slides onto his um, on, on, onto his mark. The, oh, to do stand up, to do stand up. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. He did stand up. Hannibal Burris. Yeah, he did a stand up set. Hannibal Burris kicked me to like watching his his. Entrance swag. Is what Have you ever seen about. Cosby do stand up live? Yeah, yeah. And is it recently? Not recently, but was I mean, it like it phenomenal? Phenomenal. Because, because you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. He's a storyteller, and he's got the audience on his frequency. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what it is. And everybody, you know, his fan base, they know the stories, and they know, you know, they know his rhythm. And he so, also doesn't have an opener. Speaking of frequency, it's like he just walks out. He just walks and out. And he starts two talking. hours and does two hours. Right. I mean, and it, and it's kind of like. He, you know, he knows his gears because it's right. good, wholesome comedy, and he's just in his own vibe. Right. And, and you know, I mean, um, I grew up on Cosby and Richard Pryor. I'm more of a Richard Pryor, you know, you know, because you know Richard would do the characters and all the stuff, and I liked. That's what I yeah. love, you know. I mean, but Cosby, mm-hmm. pound for pound, he knows how to control that room in his frequency. Yeah, my uh, friends went to Temple, and they were just telling me today that. Bill Cosby always does the 
like commencement speech or yeah and he uh, he uh, um he's he would say um there's no bitches and there's no hoes at temple university <laughs> oh, that's cool first of all he's wrong Oh, you've been to Temple? Because there's bitches and There's hoes. this one lady everywhere, in Everywhere on this there's earth. There's one. Well, every little city we go, every other video, no matter where I go, I see the same hoes. I have some questions for you, Robert, that I tweeted out any questions for Robert Townsend on t- Twitter, and almost all of them have asked me, strangely enough, about... Uh, Meteor Man. Everybody wants to know about Meteor Man. Meteor Man's my favorite movie. Any stories about Meteor Man and that crazy dope cast would surely be entertaining. Just tell him I loved Meteor Man, worn out VHS tape. It just continues. That movie. First of all, really you're going to need to get that young lady a nice new videotape. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't mind. Here's the bad no, news. No, no, what? <laughs> Go you have to, you're going to have to reimburse her. All the questions are from Hose. Hose. <laughs> <laughs> from Temple University. <laughs> uh, what? Who was, in, who was the cast? In, it was in, Eddie Griffin. Eddie Griffin was my my my, my best friend, sidekick in there. James Earl Jones played one of the neighbors. Uh, Luther Vandross was in there. Uh, Cypress Hill played one of the gangs. Roddy by Nature. Robert Guillaume. Robert Guillaume played my father. Marley Gibbs played my mother. Nancy Wilson uh, played the principal of the school. Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby played the homeless man who gets the piece of the meteor. Big right. Daddy Kane. Big it was it hard? Was Luther Vandross a hard sell for the financers? Were you like, no, I'm telling you, like, what did he play? Back when he I played was a child, he was a uh, he was a hitman. He was a hitman for Frank Gorshin, and I had Frank Gorshin in it because Frank oh, Gorshin, the, best. the Riddler, the Riddler yeah. <laughs> dynamic duel, <laughs> Batman. <laughs> you know, so he was uh, my childhood hero. So I was like glad to get you know. Um, Frank Gorshin to play the, the head that's head of, head of the mafia. This cast is ridiculous. Sinbad, Big Sinbad. Daddy Kane, Bill, I mean, Don Cheadle. Don okay. Cheadle. Oh, yeah. All right. Here's a question. And I'm curious as to when you're directing something that you're the star of. Right. What do you do? What? How much time do you like to give yourself to, if you're, you set up the, the shot. Right. How much time do you need to get into actor mode? Well, you know, the, the thing with me is that uh, because I've kind of laid out all my shots, mm-hmm. once I come first thing in the morning, everybody knows, especially when I'm in front of camera, we got everything laid out so that it's going to take them 45 minutes to, you know, light or an hour to light. I'm running lines and rehearsing. So by the time, you know, I get to the set, I steal my time for rehearsal. So that's my little trick, you know. So when I'm, you know, uh, working... Sometimes I'll have everybody in hair and makeup and I'll walk through all the blocking because I've kind of laid out the blocking so nobody has to leave hair and makeup. So I always steal time for rehearsal for me. So when I do the setup, I'll do my master first and then I'll get into all my How do you do the – who do you do the blocking with? Uh, I'll do the blocking. Uh, Meaning by yourself? By myself. And then who who tells the – and who who tells the other actors what to do in AD? Uh, no, no, no. Then Neil, I'll go what's, bl- what's blocking? And blocking what's an AD blo- for our listeners. Great question. At home. Blocking is the way the movement of the characters. Like somebody's going to get a cup of coffee, and yeah, then, like just where people stand. Where people in the stand. I'll do floor plans for my movies, and so I'll do floor plans and all the movement. And because I've written it, or either somebody else has written it, I can get the flow of what actors want. You know what I mean? They, right. they don't want to be standing in the scene. And so if I give them great business and I lay everything right. out, somebody may adjust it once they get to the set. But for the most part, you know, uh, character comes through the front door, goes upstairs, goes in the kitchen, takes his coat off. You know what I mean? You know, you, that's interesting. Cause I've heard that again, Eddie doesn't block. He does not block scenes. His stand-in does the block, meaning 
he, so then Eddie comes out of the trailer now and the and his stand in has done all the all the blocking and he walks he tells Eddie hey, you're going to stand here this part you're all going to walk over here. So this his part. stand-in makes the decision. No, for well, him that's the thing is the stand-in doesn't. The director does. But what I'm saying is, uh-huh. I when I'm blocking scenes, I like to involve the actors. Well, you know, you know, the thing for me is that I'm kind of seeing the world already. So right. I kind of, you know, I, I when I do my floor plans, you know, I basically say the extras are going to be here. You went to go to school. architecture school for that, right? Yes, I did. To do yes, floor plans. Yeah, brother, we went there. You know, because <laughs> the architectural design of <laughs> the situation. Who does to Robert? Who do you think would write a better parenting handbook, Bill Cosby or Eddie Griffin? Mm, that's a hard uh, one. That's a hard one. You hate uh, to have to choose. You hate uh, to have to choose. I hate those questions. Uh, okay, now do you? Do Why you? <laughs> no, when you're, when you're okay. So you're you're getting into. Do you watch playback every take when you're no. acting? Well. Sometimes I do. Well, I have other people watching the monitor for me, but you know, sometimes I'll do. I, I will go and say, "Okay, let me see that last one." You know, it's just because, you know, I, here's the deal: as stand-ups, we direct ourselves right. anyway, so you kind of know when you've nailed a joke in yeah. front of an audience, and you know when it doesn't work. So it's the same thing for me as a director. I just kind of know. Oh, I felt that. Oh, yeah. I can tell that would that that wouldn't work for me. And I can say, "Oh, that was a little clumpy on the line," and then script supervisor goes, uh, "Yeah, you didn't hit the line right." Yeah, now. and so uh, you can usually tell when it's you know i mean we have our, our instincts yeah. you know you like this I, i'm feeling good i know this joke is going to kill and plus i build in my time to rehearse so i'm so well rehearsed that i only do three to four takes so, so you give the other actors line reads like while you're no 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 i mean we've rehearsed you know while they're lighting and so you know you know you know my thing with other actors if you cast it right they know the, the character yeah. they know the feel of it so i don't really get into i read somewhere you said that you tried because i thought i was the only person who said this um, that you said that you like to put, you tell hair and makeup, please hurry. Mm-hmm. Cause I tell that I, that's the first production meeting. I'm like, he, and they're like, what would you like to say to everyone? I go hair and makeup, please get people to set. Well, see, you know, my thing Quickly. is that I tell my actors, I said, that's a close up. The longer you stay in there, that's one of your close ups. That's exactly and, what I said. I was like, yeah, go, you can, yeah, it's like you can, cause here's what we're saying. If you if someone stays in makeup or hair for an extra five minutes, talking about American Idol or X Factor, shooting the shit, and the director gets three fewer takes. Literally, he has to move on before he or she. Oh, poor apparently, baby. Apparently, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And poor director. Of, uh, only get as many takes as you wanted. <laughs> a lot of times, we're only making hundreds of thousands of dollars. I liked it. And when you were like, here's what we're saying. Neil looked at me and When the person takes a longer time in the beginning, it cuts into our time. Do you He's already like prepping yeah, us for his film that we're starring in. No, so, well, no, I always guys, so that. make no, sure y'all guys get through hair and makeup. <laughs> yeah, get blow through, through makeup. that makeup. Like, yeah. like no, you have to. You're gonna get another take if you. How many takes? It's like yeah, you can. I'd rather give someone unlimited takes than like have them look perfect and do three takes. Right. I'd rather maybe that ha- hairstylist wants another take. Maybe that's hair. true. Have you thought about that? Fuck them. Maybe they're directing hairstyles. <laughs> yeah. How about fuck them? <laughs> Unless you're a hairstylist. Um, Look, I'm uh, uh, booking something now. I'd love for you to come in and uh, style some hair. Robert, do you have any plans? Do you have any big plans that you can announce for films that you want to uh, direct or are directing or are planning well, well, on my, making? My new film is called In the Hive, and it's a drama. Mm-hmm. It's a drama. It'll come out next year. And Did so you shoot it yet? We we shot it. Did it's, you really? It's That's really. Great. Congrats, it's, man. it's thank you very much. You it's told called, me the script was really good. It's really good. Cheryl it? L. West wrote it. 
She's uh, a brilliant, you know. Cheryl L. West. Cheryl it's a L. Drama, West. You say? It's a drama. It's based I on a true story. Uh, what's it about? It's it's about a, a true story of a school in North Carolina and this woman who turns these uh, these kids' lives around. They're like ex gangbangers, drug dealers, and, and it's, they make their lives worse or better. Better. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she really gives them drugs. She's like, that's yeah. a new, yeah. That movie hasn't been done before. Different. You guys think that's you're in a gang now? Yes. <laughs> don't lean. Don't Stop lean on that. me. <laughs> Open up. <laughs> More dangerous minds. More dangerous minds from the people that brought you. Don't lean on me. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, so it stars Loretta Devine, Michael Clark Duncan, Vivica Fox, and then it's all these young actors that are really incredible. And did you shoot in North Carolina? No, we shot here. Cool. Did you really? Yeah, you we shot get, here. You couldn't get inducements and all that shit in North Carolina? Like, not not as much. Like the, the ones in uh, the best uh, incentives are in uh, Michigan. But, yeah, man, I mean, you, you know, yeah. it, it takes place inside the school for the most part. And so right. we just in- find rural areas. Inducements and incentives for those listening at home. There are certain states or even other countries like Canada that will give you tax breaks and even help you fund your movie if you if you, agree if to you shoot, shoot there, it there. Which is why it's so difficult to f- film things in L.A. now because they give you nothing here. Anyway. Except yes. great facilities. Right. No doubt. A home. <laughs> I'm not talking shit about LA. I'm trying to educate uh, our home. listeners. Good, good weather, uh, beautiful climate, some great, some some hoes, bitches and hoes, world class freeways. Um, is this um, your first drama? No, no, no. I've done, uh, you know, I've done a lot. Oh, of well, you know what you did? That uh, first of all, the, I don't know if I ever commented on any of this. The Carmen Hip Hopera, which starred Most Def and and a young Beyonce Knowles. Right, that was uh, Beyonce's first time. Yeah, yes. Um, she, I like the transitions. Oh, thank you. The, there was a. If you ever see the movie, the transitions. No, he he edits this show called Tim and Eric on the Cartoon Network, a really popular show. Okay, and uh, he Robert's a huge fan, and um, the the way based on that. Okay. <laughs> yes, I am. Have you? What you are to Hollywood Shuffle, Robert is to Tim and Eric. Uh, <laughs> uh, the no, they he you, they watch them. They're interesting. They, it's like a re. I don't know who did the. Well, music, it's, but it it's, like, it's a. Uh, he like scratched them. It's a hip. It's it's called a hip opera because it's like a, a hip hop opera. I got that. And Beyonce, Beyonce <laughs> is just wait, wait, wait. Back up, Robert. <laughs> Explain it again. No, no, we understand. Wait, okay. what? Hip now. I thought the Big Bopper was in it. <laughs> the Big Bopper. It's a hip <laughs> big Bopper. Big bopper. <laughs> um, now, what, and, and who, so it was a hip hopper, so it was like, the whole thing was musical, but then there'd be scenes. Well, what it was was that it's it was based on Carmen the Opera that was done a gazillion years ago, right. and then uh, Dorothy Dandridge did Carmen Jones, and basically it's a tragic opera where this woman uh, meets this guy, and they get caught up in uh, a, a relationship. She leaves him. He gets strung out on her, and, and, and she dies. Right. You know, and so we did a remake of that with Beyonce. That was her first role. That's but cool. it was a, it was for MTV. It was it was eighty minutes, uh, about ninety minutes, about ninety minutes. Right, uh, and then the transitions were like, who did the music? Somebody good did the music, right? There was Rizzo a guy. Si- 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 uh, what, what is his name? I want to say Sakani. Sig Zig Sputnik. Yeah, yeah, that was that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. It was, a, it was a gentleman. He's a, a brilliant lyricist. He's a gentleman. Go ahead. Shut up. 
Well, Robert's just a this classy guy. dude. You gotta call anybody a gentleman. Yeah, he's this he's gentleman. He's a young man. He was a, a, was a homeless gentleman. A murder, homeless murderer, gangbanger gentleman. Um. He was a psychotic killer, but he was a gentleman. <laughs> but he was a gentleman first. Nice he was a gentleman first. Uh, addicted to meth like a motherfucker. He was the guy that wrote all the raps, you're saying? He wrote all the raps. He was brilliant. Is uh, he a famous rapper on his own? Mm, he he's written a lot of stuff for other guys, Ghost but he, that was his first, you know. MC but he was, gentleman, that's what MC gentleman in the, in the biz. Are you married? No, I'm single. I'm single. Are you really? Yeah, I'm single. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Why is that great? I just like. <laughs> I was trying to I suck think, that dick. Is, is that a, is, what? That's I what the end of cool. every champs episode is. Yo, I think it's is, good too. Uh, <laughs> I've been to try and suck that dick since I saw that shit. Since I saw you in an Amex commercial in '78. Um, That's what you win when you win the funniest oh comedian. You're, I told you you're my hero, right? <laughs> um, you guys, we got four single guys here. Oh, let's go. It's, let's go it's, out on the town, guys. It's still early. Let's go to Palomino's. Um, we can get. I have a yeah. Uh, 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 did you? That's. I just think being single is a man's natural state. You think so? I do. I mean, I mean, I, I really like to be married again if I can find the right. Girl. Do you really? When really, did you get divorced? I, uh, it's been about seven years now. Oh wow! Yeah, that's funny that you would rather you would like to. What did you like about being married? Um, you know, I liked. <laughs> no, I'm curious. <laughs> Keenan had a great quote. I almost don't want to repeat it. Re- repeat it, please. He said, Keenan Ivory Wayans said, he goes, you, you don't meet your wife until you get divorced. Meaning who she really is yeah, yeah. is who you meet. Yeah. But like you don't oh, you didn't know the woman for years. That's interesting. And then that's, when you get divorced, it's like, yep. No comment. Yeah, that's really <laughs> No comment. Yeah. Uh, uh Okay, Here, yeah. Here's some in- it's, well. I'll tell you another interesting quote I heard about love and marriage, which is, and I think that black guys have an advantage here because, as they say, black don't crack. Um, but they say that you want, in terms of your looks, your physical looks, you want to get married. As basically, you 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 want to get married the moment. The analogy is you want to step off the bow of the ship and grab the life ring the moment that the ship sinks beneath your feet. Like you want to grab That's, the life yeah. ring of marriage the moment before you turn Meaning into like an ugly man. When you're man. like, you ain't getting <laughs> yeah, anymore. And, you're never getting pussy this good again. Ever. You want That's the moment you want to get uh, off. The you ship are maxed goes, out. Look, 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 look. You need to take <laughs> stock of your looks, your place in the world, <laughs> your 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 uh, career. <laughs> look, you might want to catch because girls do that. That's why they all get married at like. 29, 30, because it's like, uh, I got to quickly while I can still trick people. <laughs> Neil, I think you should get a wife. Yeah, I mean, dog, I, get I, a wife, bro. You know, yeah, why? You get a Single's wife. great for me, but I think it'd be cool if you had a, a, I'm, a I'm, wife around here. Just so like, so you, you, you never thought about getting married? No. I mean, I had a girlfriend that I was in love with, and it that that's over now, but uh, I, but heard, like I wouldn't have gotten married. Like you wouldn't have gotten married? No. I, heard, I don't see the advantage of it. I heard that men... Uh, 35 and older who are single without marriage or children are creep everybody far, out they're far 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 more likely to commit suicide than any other group of people <laughs> I'm glad so, I have children then <laughs> yeah, no, cause you, yeah exactly you have, you have a thing you have a legacy to live for but not Neil you know, Neil's this, in trouble this podcast is the only thing that's keeping, <laughs> it's our child <laughs> keeping me from <laughs> from killing myself here's the best question we've received on Twitter for you so far Robert okay what would you rather grind all your teeth down or put a toothpick with, between your big toe and nail between your big toenail and kick a soccer ball? <laughs> grind my teeth down. Grind your teeth. Down. Grind my teeth down. Yeah, I mean, because that—that's a. I love that question. I mean, I, I've gotten that before. But uh, you this know, is a canned answer. This is a canned answer. I'm sorry. It's easy. It's too easy. 
<laughs> uh, that's a that's a really crazy question. That's from my boy Justice. Actually, he's a friend of mine. He's a he's a he's a white rapper, so you know he'll go far. Thank you, and and just say no to crack. <laughs> that's uh, okay. And now, when you yeah, when you yeah, so you are looking for. Do you well, find it easy to do? You, what if you can? If you like, what is the? Can I answer the question? Qu- ask a no, question. No, I'm gonna, I'm I want to say that I just told. I gave Neil the old time. We should wrap it up. And he goes. He looked at me. He nodded. He goes. I acknowledge that. And he goes. Let me. Do, what? When, I the, want the. Okay. What is the? Have you seen? I love this. this character. No, no, what is on the SNL theme? <laughs> no, it's about. What is the theme of your life? Like, what did oh, you? That was a good question. How did you start? Like, what's the arc? What's your? What is? What was your rosebud? What did you overcome? <laughs> And what may you die this is, regretting? Oh, this will be a quick thing <laughs> to end on. Real yeah, that's a, no, in one sentence. <laughs> it's whatever. Take as much time as you want. Uh, wow, that's a hell of a question. You know I, mean, I, mean? It, I mean, the only thing that I would say is that uh, I still have stories to tell. So I don't think I've had my rosebud. You know, I mean, I think, you know, uh, you know, it's kind of like Rem, uh, uh, Da Vinci. You know, mm-hmm. he, he painted the Mona Lisa. I think that I've, you know, got some paintings that people would consider classics. And so, you know, now I just want to continue to create and tell more stories. And I right. think at a certain point, you go like, okay, what do I really want to say as a yeah, comedian? What, yeah, no, well, that's, I guess that's the question. The rosebud being like, it's like, what, what do you, what is your message to the people? Okay, if I ask you the same thing about when you did the Chappelle show, yeah. what would you say is the voice of that show? The what voice is- of the show is that there's a huge... Uh, difference between what you're being told is happening and what's actually happening. Mm. Like, there's a huge, like, there's the shit that you're supposed to think, but you don't. There's a shit you're supposed to feel that you don't. And there's you're being fed a lot of bullshit from different sources. Some of it's like hip-hop is a fucking awful source. Uh <laughs> Uh, white people are an awful source. But pow- any sort of power structure is generally full of shit, and you can do sketches about it. I-, I think for me, you know, like right now, you know, like I've been writing this stuff for this one man show, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's just being true to me and what I think is funny. And I mean, I haven't really said, you know, I think my voice is in my work. You know what I mean? I, I just think that I love shit that's really funny. Yeah. And I love shit that has a certain level of truth. And I think, you know, uh, my truth is an everyman kind of truth. So I think that with the show, uh, I want to make everybody laugh, but I want to have my, you know, like Hollywood Shuffle had a certain kind of bite to it. Yeah. You know, and a certain kind of edge. And then we're in a weird kind of place right now. <laughs> there it is. That's the bite specific. <laughs> that, was the, that was the bite. That, that was, that was the Hollywood bite. Shuffle bite. Do it again one more time. <laughs> to all of you out there listening, that's the bite. <laughs> when you hear that, know that the shit is happening and it's on like popcorn. Oh, man, so, funny. so I think I think for me is that. But uh, the bite was explain the bite. The bite is that was the is, bite. I thought we were. That was the no, bite. Yeah, but, but but the the subject of it is like <laughs> this is fucking awful. What they're putting us through. Well, right. see, you know, see, it's like I, right, it's basically I'm a human being and you're treating me like a stereotype. Yeah, but see now it's different. The game has changed, so it's not so much that because now you got doctors, you got lawyers, you got these judges, you know, and but no one has any power. It's like you know, like you got the, the, the captain. We got a body over here, <laughs> you know. That's the guy. It's, that, it's that guy now. So, um, I, you know, so for me, it's just kind of like 
taking a look at life and really analyzing the unique perspective from Robert Townsend's eyes. And do you, what do you, how do you feel about people? What do you mean? How, overall, do you think uh, people, do you think we're doing well? Do you think overall we're, we're like, we're, we're advancing? You know, I think, you know, we take a few steps forward and we take a lot of steps backwards because I think there's a lot of good people in the world and then there's a lot of fucked up people in the world. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, you know, because I mean, I, like, like I'm not on the comedy scene now, but then everybody talks about how it's cutthroat and everybody's people steal each other's material. And I mean, that's always going on. But now I guess it's really accelerated. And then, you know, so it's just a different time. But I think. You know, it's like I was watching John Leguizamo last night do mm-hmm. his one man show and his voice is authentic and true to his his world. And I think for me, having been in show business almost, you know, 25 years now doing making content, it's like just making sure that whatever this next chapter is and I write like the show that I want to do, that my voice is real and authentic. Hmm. It's, there's there's it's, not that many unique, you, you know, like, 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 like what I loved about when you guys were doing the Chappelle show, it was so unique and right. special. And then no one has really touched it. And every now and then you get glimpses of guys, right. you know. So to me, as an artist, real artists, you know, really paint on a canvas that nobody else is painting. Over. Right. And do you find it hard to tune into yourself? Do you have to focus to really to like no, get to the. I see funny like, shit. I see funny shit all the time. You know, um, I see funny shit all the time. So it, it's not even that. It's just that. I can't do the basic, you know, like whatever I'm going to come with, you know, like the canvas that I paint on is going to be another. I, I, don't, I don't like when I see some comedians, sometimes I go to the comedy clubs and a lot of guys had the same act. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so then you got to go, OK, what makes my voice unique? Right. And, you know, if you've got an arsenal, an you arsenal, an arsenal. You have an arsenal, you have an arsenal noise. Um. No. <laughs> I was just—I am out of here. This is some bullshit. Be they had an arsenal about an hour ago. Finally, Robert gets annoyed by not having a sound effect. <laughs> it's never happened before. You're right. So you—I mean, like an arsenal, so just Chinese pop uh-huh. music is what you meant. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we've had director, famed comedian, <laughs> screenwriter, led comedy legend Robert Townsend here. Hero, uh, how personal can they find on the cuff. Hero, legend. How can they find you if they want to know more information on uh, Robert Townsend other than I, what they already know? I'm not going because you know what I, I you know I just have most to find people just time to talk to number. my kids you know <laughs> let right. alone be no, on Facebook. No, I don't mean contact you. I mean to find out more information on your upcoming film projects, um, your one man show, you, com. Is that a, does that exist? That does exist. So go to robertownsend.com. But and it's check not out the about movie. you. It's a different Robert Townsend. It's a different Robert Townsend. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real estate broker. How about check Variety? Yeah, check, you know? check Variety. And watch this um, Read upcoming the movie. The, did you say it was called The Hive? It's called In the Hive. In the Hive. Check out the new movie, In the Hive, directed by Robert Townsend. Uh, and Neil? Uh, I'm going to be in San Francisco at the Punchline on November 2nd. Sacramento at the Punchline on November 3rd. And then I'm doing Fun, 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 the Austin <laughs> Comedy Festival Super after fun. that. And, of course, Neil Brennan. And I did Conan on Monday. You can you Check can watch it, it online. I got, a, I got a bunch of fun stuff coming up. I'm going to Bloomington the 13th and 14th of October. I'll be in Vancouver, Canada the t- weekend of the 20th. And I'm doing a, two special shows, one in Asheville, North Carolina on the uh, 25th of October. And the 27th of October, I'm at the Hollywood Theater in Portland, Oregon, doing two special one-night engagements. So please come out. Follow me at MosheCasher, com. Doug Pound? I'll be on Twitter making jokes, making smiles. At Doug Pound, 
Robert Townsend. Bringing joy and laughter to the world. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you guys for having me. You Robert, guys are lunatics. The <laughs> Thanks the for fucking with the champs. You fuck, you fuck with the champs. You did fuck with us. No.